speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> es claro de el Evangelio, mi español es terrible, and I was told I could preach in English, so uh, <laughs> it's better for you that way. Trust me. Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul says, Oh, no one anything except, except the continuing, except the debt to love one another. For the one who loves has fulfilled the law. It would be easy for us to read this passage simply as, or only as, Paul restating Jesus' love commandment. But Paul's a good Jewish teacher. He has to add his own little bit in there. So what's this thing that Paul adds in the beginning? Oh, no one, anything, but to love one another. What's this language about owing, and what's this language about debt? Now, it's language that we ourselves, in our own particular cultural moment, should, should heed and, and, and probably understand fairly well. After all, we live in a remarkably economized society and culture in early 21st century United States. And of course, it's the case that any culture in the world or in history has been shaped by its economy, but I think it's safe to say ours is especially shaped by its economy, to the extent that oftentimes our conversations about ethics, about morality, and about human worth are framed in economic terms. So we're graduate students and professors here, right? So we're familiar with higher education. Just think about the debates that go on in higher education about what's the most valuable discipline to study. I, I saw a study that came out recently that ranked the different college majors in terms of what kind of income the majors uh, receive when they, when they get out of college. Uh, you'll be shocked, shocked to know that religion and theology are pretty, pretty far down that list. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what that leads to, what these kind of calculations lead to are professors and deans and students making arguments for what they study uh, based on the economic worth, which really translates into just the sheer monetary value of what they study, instead of how does this contribute to the common good? How does this build up a better community? It all might sound very naive, but it has been the case that in other cultures, that was a little more the emphasis in studying, or just, you know, on a much more mundane level. When my family moved here to the seminary a few months ago, our, our neighbors had been wonderful in welcoming us, and folks brought by a pan of brownies. And, and, you know, of course, we can't just give back the pan of brownies. We have to put some cookies inside and, and, and give it back to them that way, and, which is a, a lovely gesture, of course. I mean, it's a nice thing to do, but what's the matter with just owing somebody some generosity? By this sort of calculation, Paul's idea that we owe other people love seems slightly absurd. We owe people things when my life has impinged on their life in some way, or when their life has impinged on mine, we say. 
Just think of how often we say to ourselves or we hear someone say, I don't owe that person anything. Well, Paul would say, as a matter of fact, you do. Their sheer existence means that you owe them love. Before I went to seminary, I lived in East Africa for a number of years as an Episcopal missionary. And in most of the cultures I encountered there, there's a much more intuitive sense of what Paul was getting at when he says just we owe people something by their mere existence. So greeting was just a tremendous part of culture. And, you know, there's a whole sort of, uh, there's a whole, you know, process you go through when you greet someone, especially as you get into the more rural areas. You ask how they're doing, you ask how the family's doing, and then the conversation moves to livestock. How are, how's your cattle doing? How are your goats? And, 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 you know, of course, for me as an American, I'm just sort of thinking, this is going on forever, my goodness. But there's, an old, there's a story about Desmond Tutu. He was leading around some folks in the United States and South Africa, and they were in this village, and they, just, they spent all this time greeting each other. And, and, you know, and, you know, one of the folks in the U.S. just asked him, you know, why do you do that? And, you know, of course, Desmond Tutu could sort of read between the lines the same sorts of things I would think. Um, it just takes so long, right? Can't, can't we get a little more efficient here? And Desmond Tutu turned to the person and said, how can I encounter another image bearer of God and not greet them? For Desmond Tutu, our lives are so interconnected to one another that we are so in one another's debt just by our very life that, the close, that, that at the very least what we owe another person is a greeting, but all the more what we owe other people is love. And so in a certain sense, it's a bit... Our economic calculation in the United States is often a bit absurd. It's not Paul who's absurd. It's probably us who are absurd. Because don't we hear in our prayer book that our lives depend upon each other's toil? Isn't it true what it says in Deuteronomy that we harvest from vineyards that we did not plant and drink from cisterns that we did not dig? Surely even just in a sheer economic sense, of course our lives depend on one another. But then in a more profound sense, Paul's saying that just the sheer existence of another person makes some claim upon us. That we owe debts to others that we could never repay. And so the best way to live our life and to recognize as much is to see that the closest we can come to repaying those debts is simply to love. Amen.